In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. It's, uh, it's interesting to look at the world is at the world as it is these days. Because we see lots of, lots of challenges. We see lots of difficulties. There are tragedies. There are unexpected things that happen. And the more we continue along the path of life we're going on, the more we see that, that there is that tragedy. But what it does, rather than taking away our hope, and rather than giving us a sense of powerlessness, is that it actually provides an opportunity for us to do something. If we look at the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, had humanity not been broken, there would have been no need for him to be incarnate and come into the world. Had there not been a powerlessness in the world, he would not have had to send his disciples. Likewise, when we see pain, when we see difficulty, when we see challenge, we can either throw our hands up in the air and think, this broken world, this horrible world, this world that is so full of injustice. And we would be literally right in saying that. But that should never take away our ability to do something. In actual fact, it provides an opportunity. If we are going to be God's fellow workers, that is God's work. God's work is amongst the vulnerable and the broken, the needy. God's work is amongst those who struggle. Even amongst those, actually especially amongst those, who are wayward, who have lost their path. And that's why we need to look at the world from a very different perspective. We've seen so much about emergency service um, facilitators, whether they are uh, police officers or ambulance officers or, or fire officers or even medics or anyone who provides that kind of service. For us, when we see a fire of the ferocity we saw a few weeks ago, you think, I can't do anything about it. I'm powerless. But to a firefighter, and this takes immense courage, immense power, immense resolve and dedication to actually, as we've heard so many times over the past years, run in where people are running out. Run towards something when you're telling others to escape. And so there's an opportunity. In our own way, we must have that same resolve, that same power, that same sense of dedication and commitment. When we see things that occur around us, pain, injustice, we need to run into those situations as God's fellow workers. And I don't mind literally put yourself in harm's way, although some people very heroically do. 
I mean, when we see something that requires our assistance, then we go towards it. If we see something that needs our input, we should provide. God knows us, and he knows what we're capable of. In actual fact, he makes us, so he knows what we're capable of. And so he knows my ability. He knows what I am competent at. He knows what I can give. And of course he knows my weakness. What we do quite often is we focus on our weakness. We focus on what we can't do. We focus on our inabilities. We don't look at what we can do. We don't look at the good we can contribute. We don't look at a failure in something around me to be an opportunity for me to run and help. I'm not saying we should be opportunists and think, oh great, there's something for me to appear like a hero. In actual fact, no. My heart must be with people so much that when I see them suffering in any way, then I run to their assistance. I go to them. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis 22, said, Abraham, Abraham. His response was, here I am. Here I am. And I think quite often when we look at the lives of people around us or at situations around us or at life, we need to be able to say, here I am. I've seen so many people react in so many different ways to tragedy. Whether it's tragedy we watch on our television screens or on our news feeds, or tragedies we experience personally to those around us, or those we know. For some, it becomes a time of defeat. It becomes a time when it, it, it's, it's a burdening, overcoming. But for others, as we've seen, it becomes a time to, in our modern language, step up. To, to, to take a step, to, to be committed, to react in the right way. And that's what our Lord wants us to do. He calls us. Just as he called Moses from the midst of that bush, he calls us each in our own way. And the one point I always remind myself um, of in this, in this context of Moses is our Lord didn't call Moses when he was sitting alone in his inner room praying. He called him as he was walking along his path, tending his flock as he always did. He called him along his life, his daily journey. And so when we experience things along our daily journey, we need to respond to them. And that's what empowers us. That's what allows me to realize that yes, there's sin in the world. Yes, there's brokenness in the world. Yes, there is evil in the world. 
But if I can respond to it by trying to react to it positively, trying to help someone who is a victim of it, trying to quash it in some way directly or indirectly, it gives me power back. You see, in all these terrorist attacks, the regular scenario is, is what is required? What is required is that we change our lifestyle. What is required is we feel that we can't do this and can't do that and won't do this and won't do that. It is to instill terror. It is to control life. And that's why if we look at what happened, has happened here in London on occasions, where people become defiant and resilient, what we've seen happen in Egypt with church attendance after attacks, it gives a sense of power to be able to say, actually, no, you are not going to control me. You're not going to change my life. I'm not going to react by being afraid. And that could be at various levels. One of them is this environment of terror we see around us. But even at my own personal level, Satan will instill that terror within me, personally. If I fail at something, he'll say to me, see, you can't do it. It's not yours. It's not for you. You're not gifted enough. You're not courageous enough. You're not holy enough. You're not the right person. You're not who people think you are. You're not who you think you are. And that is the instilling of terror. To directly target. Yet when you and I are able to look at our lives and we're able to look at those situations where I fall short of grace, where I sin, where I fail, where my brokenness appears, and I look at it as an opportunity to respond. That's where it becomes different. I look at it as a, an opportunity to change myself. An opportunity to spread out, to overstep boundaries that I thought were there. An opportunity to become more brave, more strong, sometimes more adventurous. To try a different solution, to pray harder, to seek harder, to seek the help of others. Whatever it takes to get me over that hurdle, that's what I need to do. I need to not be broken by that, because at the end of the day, that is the intention, to break me. Imagine how much shock young Mary was in when she was there, minding her own business, sitting in her home, and then suddenly an angel appears to her. Now, that's not something that happens every day anyway. Regardless of the message, an angel appearing to her. And then the angel says, You've been chosen. You are going to be the mother of the Almighty. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. You'll be blessed. You'll give birth to a child. You're going to be the mother of the Savior. 
shock is an understatement. But the way she responds, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. That sense of faith and resolve, that sense of, I've been living in the temple all my life, I know God loves me, I know you're from God, I believe your message, I don't really understand it, but I've asked all the questions I have. I'm sure it will become clearer to me as time goes on. Let it be according to your word. And that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of resolve. But it also means she took that wonderful opportunity to become the Theotokos. I don't think there was any chance she wasn't going to. You know, I, I, it's not because God controlled her or told her what to say, but having had her as a chosen vessel, I'm pretty sure there was a certainty she was going to say yes. But we've always got that freedom. Don't forget, though, that with that same certainty, God has called you, is calling you, or will be calling you to something. It may not be as monumental to humanity, but it's going to be something. Something of significance to you. I was called, and I continue to be called. You know, the calling as well is not a one-off thing. But we're all called to different things. I think it's a continuous process. So I was called originally to be a monk, and then I was called to serve as a, as a monk priest, and then I was called as a bishop, and I, you know, I get called to lots of things, and that's God's, that's God's voice guiding me, literally guiding me along a path. And that's what we need to understand, that He continues to call us. How do we respond to that? And that call is sometimes going to be frightening. Imagine over these past weeks, with all the attacks we've seen, whether it be in Egypt or here in Britain, how many people were called to do different things? The number of people I have seen who have gone to hospitals, visited people, supported people financially, uh, went and, and tried to do ministry. In the tower here, we made contact very early on as our Coptic City Mission, the, 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 the homeless ministry. We just received word yesterday from the government department saying, thank you so much, we're sorry I haven't gotten back to you. We've received 10,000 offers of assistance. That's, that's that many people being called who have felt that I need to do something. I need to put my hat in the ring. I need to be part of this. And it may not take anything that incredibly visible. It may mean that you are being called to serve your own family, your own community, a friend, a colleague. And that will come with its challenges. Just like those firemen running into that burning building. Sometimes running into people's lives 
when they are at a crisis point can be almost the same, if not more testing and trying as running into a burning building. It would be wonderful if it was also a clear cut though. But there is a huge element of faith. When our Lord in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 5, says to the disciples, launch out your boat. Go somewhere where I know you'll get a result. They had to go against every one of their instincts. They were fishermen. That's what they did for a job. It was that they were, from their grandfathers to their fathers to themselves, that's all they did. They knew when it was the right time to go and launch out. It wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right place. They had to go through everything. They had to go against everything. But they did. And because they did, they ended up not only filling their own boats, but filling boats around them and sharing the blessings. And so sometimes when we are called, it is going to seem like it is against every possible instinct. It is going to seem like it just doesn't make sense. Why am I being called to this? It's not even what I know. It's not even what I do. It's not my ability. It's not my gift. How do we know? Surely, if it wasn't my gift, I wouldn't have been called. And, even more certainly, if God wants me to do something, He will give me the tools to do it. And I've experienced both. I've experienced times when I think, okay, this can't be mine. But, I trust you, God. And I go into it. And because I do, I suddenly find myself doing things I didn't know I could do. Saying things I didn't know I knew. Serving in ways I didn't think I'd be competent. And other times I become reluctant. And then I realize afterwards, I've just missed a really good opportunity. I've missed a great opportunity to receive not only the blessings of serving, but to receive the gifts that I would have needed to serve. And so we do miss out. We miss out if we don't become part of it, because we don't need to be empowered in the same way. It's one thing not to hear a calling. It's another thing to hear a calling and ignore it. It's a third thing to hear a calling and go the other way. And that's what we saw in the life of Jonah. The beauty of the scriptures is they give us every possible scenario. The worst thing in the world would have been for the scriptures to be a superhero comic book, where you only see people at the greatest times with the best power in the best way. Because you think, okay, thanks, that's not me. I can't do that. There's no way I can, there's no way I can meet that. There's no way I can be part of it. So, thank you, but no thank you. 
Whereas, in actual fact, the scriptures show us weakness and brokenness and failure. And then they show us what God can do with that. They show us people doing the right thing, but they also show us people doing the very wrong thing. And Jonah was one of those examples who fluctuated between the right thing and the wrong thing. He was a man of God and he was called. But then because he was called to somewhere where he didn't think it was going to be effective, he ran the other way. And when he ran the other way, there was a storm and he endangered the lives of people around him. And because he did that, he then confessed and he said to them, throw me into the water. And so God saves him and he sends him to Nineveh and then he, spe- and then he preaches and he speaks and then he gets into a huff because God doesn't kill these people. It's a flip-flopping between good and bad, right and wrong. And it is so indicative of our own lives at certain times. If you are waiting to respond to a calling when you are perfect, then actually it's never going to happen. You know, if I was going to wait for perfection to enter the monastery, I would still be in Australia. Because I wasn't perfect, and I was never going to be perfect. And I'm still not perfect. So if that's what I was waiting for, it was never going to happen. What I do need to realize now is that when I'm called, I respond with the best possible thing I can do, the best possible gift I can give, and leave God to do the rest. Leave him to work in me. If he wants me to run into that burning building, he will be my protection. If he wants me to serve in a certain way, he will be my gift. He'll be my wisdom. He'll be my discernment. Because God is faithful. And he's faithful over two things. He is faithful over the people he wants me to serve. He's not going to allow me to go in there and make a mess of their lives. If he's calling me to serve them. But he is also faithful over me. God doesn't use us. God doesn't put things before us. He loves us all. And he can do both. He can look after you because he entrusts me to serve you and look after me at the same time. Of course he will require me to make sacrifices, but at the same time he'll reward me with the grace that only he can give. And this is always the reminder. It's always the thing we need to understand. God loves his creation. God loves his children. God loves his world. And God sees the injustice. And because he sees the injustice, he sends us into the world. So many people ask these days, why does God let this happen? Why does God make this evil? 
God doesn't make evil. Humans cause evil. But then he sends us, you and I, to offset it. You and I and millions like us. So when I sit in the comfort of my lounge room and I watch television or I look at my computer and I see all these horrible things and I shake my fist at God saying, Lord, why are you so, so unfair? Where is your justice? The response is going to be, that's what you're there for. That's why I put you on earth. To balance out the injustice. To balance out the evil. I've put you there because you can make a difference. I've put you there because you are my fellow worker. He's never asked us to go into a situation where we are powerless. He has asked us to go into a situation where he says, I will be your shield. I will be your strength. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. And again, if you think you're not worth it, and so God could leave you behind, think about the people you're going to serve. Because they're worth it, just as much as you are. So if God is not going to protect you for yourself, he's going to protect you for them. And so on and so forth. So it is up to us to continue responding to these calls. The reality is, we were bought, purchased, saved at a price. That's what we read in Corinthians 1, chapter 6. Which means we also must serve at a price. Our Lord, as God, left his kingdom and came to us and paid the ultimate price of humanity and then of suffering and even of, of death. So whatever mission we have been given, whatever calling we've received, it is going to come at a cost. That cost is never beyond our ability. Ever. That cost is never beyond what God has given me in grace to serve and pay with. So, as we serve, and as we continue, we need to remember that God puts us in this world, particularly for the evils we see. Because we can redefine them. We can respond to them. We can be a force that's why he calls us to be his fellow workers and advocates as he's an advocate. That's why he allows us to live certain situations because out of those situations we end up learning and being able to help others. Book of Micah, chapter 6. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So when we see injustice, we need to do justice. 
when we see a lack of mercy in the world, we need to love and live mercy. And when we see arrogance and self-conceitedness and selfishness, we need to remember to walk humbly with our God. For it is in those that we will make the greatest difference. In those, we will change things around us. And in those, we can cure the illness of the world that comes through the brokenness, but can be healed through the grace of God that can be instilled through us. And glory be to God forever.